0: Hi there. This is Dr. Tracy Jones. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Tremendous Leadership Podcast. This series is called Leaders on Leadership, where we pull back the veil on leadership and talk to leaders about what it really took them to get where they are. You're not going to miss today's podcast. He is a leader in real estate. He's run marathon. He has tremendous reading habits, selling habits, leadership habits, and he is going to share with us the price he paid to become the leader that he is. You're not going to want to miss it.
1: You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones.
0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Tremendous Leadership. Today on our Leaders on Leadership podcast, it is my pleasure to have Chad Himes as my first Guest of all time. I just connected with Chad several weeks ago when he had me on his podcast. And Chad is a speaker, a trainer, and a coach that brings result based training to every opportunity. Chad is known for telling it like it is. That's why we have him on this podcast and is with practical, easy to understand examples through his inspirational speaking. His success in the real estate industry has allowed to, to him to apply his business lessons to all areas of his life and provide growth. In his clients in various industries. Chad became the voice of reason through the Internet Internet Marketing Specialist designation program, where he trained thousands of people on how to grow their business online. And now, more than ever, with everything's transition to that, Chad, it's just delightful to have you on with us today.
1: Thank you, Tracy. It's so exciting to be here, and the pleasure to be your first guest. That's very I did. exciting.
0: I know it is so exciting. So I'm swapping this over here. So Chad, one of the things that I wanted to talk about in this podcast is really leaders on leadership and kind of pulling back the curtain on leadership. Because I think um, we all have some seasoning under our belt. And I think when you're growing up as a leader, you kind of think, oh my gosh, if I'm running across problems or if people are fighting me, I mean, I know there's things we can always do great and better, but I also like to encourage leaders to know that there is going to be a price you pay. And it's tough sometimes. So that's why we have real world leaders on here that have kind of been forged of the fires. You know I was in the military and you get seasoned, you earn those stars and those stripes by going into battle and living to tell about it. So yes my father wrote that book called Price of Leadership, and he outlines four um, prices that you're going to have to pay to be a leader. And I want to take you through each one of those. And if you would just share with our listeners, some of the things that has really made you the compassionate, the tough, the wise leader, giving you that all incredible experience that we all hear and love. And so I'd love to talk with you about that. Are you ready?
1: look forward to it and hope I can live up to it.
0: I'm sure you will, Chad. All right. So one of the first prices of leadership that my father talks about is loneliness. And he says that loneliness is when you kind of set the pace to go and for others to follow and that there is um, no one who can lead the group the way that you can. And I remember my dad telling me that um, you never saw a monument in a park dedicated to a committee. You always had to have a leader that took took the reins and, and stepped out. So could you tell me about an experience any time in your career as a leader uh, where you knew the direction that you had to go and what was needed and where you kind of had to make your stand as a leader?
1: Wow, sure. Wow, right out of the gate. Episode one, interview one. Boy, question Hard-headed. one, just smack. Hit him <laughs> over the head with it. Wow. Uh, sure, I mean, that that's so true. Uh, the loneliness of being a leader. Nobody wants loneliness. I mean, nobody... Mm-hmm grows up and says, wow, I can't wait to be all alone and, and, and on my own. Yet you're right. We all have those moments. The nice thing about them, Tracy, and, and the ones that come to my mind is they don't necessarily have to be long periods of time. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right. They don't have to be. So I don't want people to think, oh, that means for the next year or three years, I've got to put my head down and it's just me. Right. Sometimes that loneliness is that, that moments of I'm creating a vision, I'm casting the vision and I'm throwing it out there And that moment of, is anybody even following it? And I feel completely naked up here all on my own for it. So I can remember uh, an opportunity that I had earlier in life um, when it came to a business situation where I was given the opportunity to become the leader, right? I was given that title of leadership. uh, So one of my first lessons into it. And it was a time where we needed to make a massive change. We had come out of a bad market uh, in the mm-hmm. real estate industry at the time. And I was leading a real estate office. We'd come out of a bad market. we had come out of some poor leadership that had taken us. And I really had to hit the brakes. And they talk about you can't turn a boat quickly, right? We right. turn them slowly and slowly. And then all of a sudden we're going in a different direction. This was one of those, no, 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 we're, we're throwing the the engines into the opposite direction and we had to turn the boat really quickly. And there was that moment of loneliness and Mm -hmm. it probably lasted a day or two when I had to stand true and I had to stand pat on what I knew was right for the organization and that we were moving in a wrong direction and that we had to start going in completely the opposite direction from the leadership that was there. I knew I had the investor support because that's why they put me into the seat. Okay. Yet I didn't have the followers support. Mm-hmm. And it was that loneliness of two, maybe three days in there before that first follower started to say, okay, he's not changing his tune. Right. Uh, I'm going to come along with him for this journey. And then when one does, all of a sudden, you know, it's that typical early adopter thing, right? Mm-hmm. Once th- there are people who are early adopters and they'll jump on something. The iPhone is the great example, right? They're the people who waited in line to get the iPhones every time it came out. And then there's those people who just wait to make sure it's okay. Mm-hmm that's when loneliness no longer feels alone. When all of a sudden that mass starts moving in your direction. So, you know, there'll be times you probably had a few in the military situations where a decision had to be made that wasn't going to be that um, comfortable decision that nobody Mm -hmm. really wanted to, you know, we're going to take that hill charge, you know, (laughs) and it's that running up that hill and you don't take the time to turn around and make sure that the troops are following you and you are lonely until all of a sudden they start passing you and you know that the vision has been created and that you're no longer alone.
0: And and I love that. And for all the leaders out there, if you've dealt with this, and Chad, you you hit it right on the nail. And my dad says that in the book. I- we don't want to be lonely. Okay. None of us wants to be lonely. And we're not talking about like being alone, but sometimes in leadership, as you said, leaders have to make the decision. And, yeah. and as you so succinctly put it, and he said, everybody's lonely, old people, young people, men, women, we have, we have the people in hospitals are there because they're lonely and broken hearted. And this pandemic has only made it worse. Okay. So what this is really about, as you said, it's when you see something and you as a leader have to make that call. And sometimes you have to step out and, as you shared, you had the investors, but it's tough as leaders because we're told, well, you're not a good leader if the followers aren't following. But I love how you put that there may be a little bit of a lag time in there. And yours was, did you say a couple days?
1: A couple days okay. in that situation. Just a couple yeah. days of ch- doubting yourself, questioning right. yourself, and, and and nobody charging up that hill with you yet. <laughs> yeah. Yet stay true to it yeah. and they can come along with you. You know, it, it's it's not... You're going to be lonely for like three years. It's not. You're going to be lonely changing. Your well, yeah. Then
0: something. Yeah. Then you need different followers, as we Correct. kind of talked about. Is something. Is something's going wrong. And that. And that's. That's a beautiful thing. And I think sometimes we. We get so caught up in this um, servant leadership or consensus, and that's great and everything, but so, that is not always the case. And there are times, like you said, when you're just going to have to. That's what you're paid the big bucks for. Uh, to go ahead and just step out and wait for them. Them to follow on. So I mean that that is huge for leaders out there. And, and Chad, you hit it. If it's three years, maybe something's not right. Maybe you yes. are making the right decision or you got the wrong team and you made to, need to make more changes than, than you did before. So, Correct. okay, so the first price of leadership is lonely. There are going to be times when you're going to be lonely as a leader, and that's okay because making that decision and staying on your own is how it feels. Okay, so the second price he talks about is another one that is ouchy. And the second price is weariness. And he talks about that if you are going to do anything worthwhile, and I don't care if it's personal, personal professional, spiritual, whatever you're going to have um, so you're always going to be surrounded by some people that aren't doing their share of the work and then other people that are that are doing more. So with weariness, leadership, it's, it's like going into battle and, and it's hard work. How do you handle the pace and the attitude from others that we need to not work so hard? I mean there's this other thing about well if it's, if it's really hard, maybe maybe Tracy, maybe you shouldn't be doing it. Maybe the universe is sending you a signal that it's not supposed to work. Can you share about me share with me how you handle the burden of responsibility? And leadership?
1: Sure. Again, you're just coming with hard questions (laughs) on this. You know, sometimes first episode, maybe you want to be a little easier on this, but you're coming with some great, great questions, Tracy. Uh, Here's the thing extra, there are two types of people, right? There's the introvert and the extrovert. Uh So we know them, of course. And I'm going to guess without knowing you, you're an extrovert, and, and, and I'm an extrovert. And we get our energy from people. Mm hmm. So a lot of that weariness sometimes will come with that loneliness, yet once we start moving in the right direction with something, that weariness can very easily be washed away because I'm just being filled with the energy of having people around me. Now, the introverts, on the other hand, they're not getting their energy from the group, yet what they're going to probably find and what I've seen in the introverts that I have the pleasure of working with as leaders to me and as people that I've had to lead is introverts still get that energy. It's just a smaller group of people. They don't want the crowds. They want their small group. Introverts don't want to be alone. They just want their small group of people. And what you just said was a great example. Some people do more work. Some people are going to do less work. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't believe you pour into your weaknesses. I believe you pour into your strengths. Mm -hmm. Make your strengths even stronger and you leverage your weaknesses off. Well, Mm -hmm. that's going to be the same thing. When there are people doing more work, you lean into those people. The Mm -hmm. introverts are going to find that's probably their group, that small group of people if they're Mm -hmm. that leader the people who aren't doing their work, they're going to fall off. Again, one of the things we talked about when we did the Win Make Give podcast with you was the right followers, right? Right. Which was a huge thing. And when you've got people doing high work and people doing low work, you've got some great followers, and then you've got some followers you just don't need around you anymore. You know, and that weariness is not going to end up being yours. It's going to end up being theirs.
0: Right. Absolutely. And when they
1: start to get too weary, what they're going to do is just fall off the race. And you're going to, you're going to look back and they're not going to be there anymore. And you've yes. got to be okay with that as a leader, understanding that your job as a leader isn't to take everybody. Your mm. job as a leader is to take those that want to go.
0: Man, that is so profound. And like you said, even, it's not the work. It's the, it's not the load. I think Lena Horne said it, it's not the load, it's the way you carry it. And so I don't mind if the weight of the world is on my shoulders, as long as I have the right people coming alongside me to kind of shift it. But as you said, and I read Proverbs every morning, which is the greatest leadership of all time, book of all time. And it talks about don't bother pouring into a four giving them more work because they're not going to do it and it always hits me that although as leaders and, and this is where I think this is where leaders get burnt out because they keep hearing well you're just not being the leader that they need mm. and you know we talk about that but you need to be the follower the leader needs and the leader needs to be the leader the follower needs. so you got this this two thing, but I just I love the fact that you hit on it's okay there are going to be some that are not up to the task. And that is acceptable. And as leaders, because they may have been in the game for a section of it, but when you change direction, and we're always changing direction, it may be outside the scope of something they have the capability or the intentionality to do. So sure. is there, do you have any example of something where you just were like, well, something I mean, that really was incredibly tough
1: for you to do? There's always things that are tough <laughs> for me to do, right? I mean, it's, some people, some people it's, it's tough to fire other people. Right. That's an emotional thing. Me? Nope. No problem with that. Right. I got, I got no problem with that. Uh, A mentor and a leader had once taught me if they are surprised you're firing them, you didn't do your job as a leader. Right. Right. They they should know they're about to be fired. So that one's not a tough one for me. Really the tough one for me and the toughest one I've ever had was when I wasn't the leader, I was a leader. And there was seniority above me. In the military, it would be, okay, so the generals up here, they make the true decision that has to be carried out by, you know, and I don't get my ranks right, but the major or whatever, Uh who's then taking it down to the privates and all that stuff. I didn't necessarily agree with what the generals in our situation were saying. Okay. That was where the weariness probably comes from me the most. When somebody who I believed in the vision of the organization I believed in the vision of what we were doing. I didn't believe in this choice that was being made. Yet as a leader, I still had to support the choice because while I was able to voice my opinion in the right direction, as we call it, uh, Ben Kinney, the, the founder of the Win Make it Podcast, he's the one who taught me this one. We call it trickle up, mm-hmm. right? I can complain upward. I can't complain downward. Oh, Yeah. Right. So you got to make sure that things don't trickle down because that's what they do. They usually trickle down when Ben would always talk about this. And who would I go to? I would go to the person below me that was easy to, to bitch to or to whine to or complain to about it. Yet, I can't do that. I have to complain and trickle up to the supervisor and say, look, I don't agree with you on this. I don't believe in this. Yet, when I went out into public, I had to put on the face of saying, this is the way it's going to be. Because that was the choice that was forced upon me by the right leadership, who I just disagreed on a a choice, not the organization. I thought the organization was run great. I just didn't agree with this stance in this situation. That brings that weariness. That brings that, that's hard to do Mm -hmm. when you have to support a position that's not necessarily the position you would take.
0: Okay. So now you just unpack something that I get asked about all the time. Okay. I personally like you have been through what you just described numerous times in my career. And it is it's incredibly draining and it's a different kind of weariness than when you're just, you know, achieving success and running an organization, it takes work. So you, we're physical, so we're going to get tired. But what you talked about is the kind of weariness where, you know, you hear all this leading from the second chair. And I get that I'm supposed to salute smartly, but but when you get to the point, and I'd like to hear input on this chat, where there's there's more Disagreements than agreements. Not that you're still all in because we are good followers, and we know that they sign the paycheck and they they deliver the orders. So I'm going to follow them. But if you start to see too much of that weariness, is it acceptable? Then do you think sometimes that's telling you that maybe as a follower you may need to look at a leader that is more congruent with what what you think? Because you know yeah. you followers ha- get get to have a say too, but then the leader gets to make the ultimate decision. Can you unpack that a little bit? I get asked this all the time about, Tracy, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I'm doing exactly what you're doing, but my boss is dot th- Fill in the blanks. We've all been there.
1: Help, help if us. You're, if you're saying it regularly, you've got the wrong boss. Okay. Now, the question is, do you have the wrong boss, or are you in the wrong organization? Okay. Okay? Because Beautiful. your boss might not be the boss, right? Maybe the private has a problem with the major, yet there's still the general, right? So, I mean, the question could be, is the major just the wrong major in that role? And that might be where that trickling up comes into effect. And you never want to go over your supervisors. Oh, totally agree with that. Don't jump the chain. Yeah. You've got to go to your supervisor and say, look, you and I have been doing this and I've been having this and you've got to be into the position where you're ready to have that conversation because it might be them and you might have to end up over them, Mm -hmm. but you can't go around them to get up there. Uh, That is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And you'll now know the organization is right for you. Yet how many times do we see it uh, without getting into specifics, but companies that are fantastic companies that have the wrong leadership to them, right? I mean, we can go back to the old story of Steve Jobs, the first time he led Apple, right? Was he really leading it well? No, he wasn't leading it well. He was. He, he, he was amazing at what he did, but he was not leading the company well. He was leading mm-hmm. the company in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Out he had to go. And then what happens? He goes off. He becomes a much better leader. He learns some more powerful lessons. He comes back in to relead the company again. He was, you might believe in the Apple vision, but you had a problem with Steve Jobs as the leader of it. In that case, I got to keep going and moving forward in the right direction because I believe in the vision of the team.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Yet you, if I'm
1: looking at that boss, Tracy, and that boss is the one who's creating the vision, no, that's when I got to pack up and go. Uh,
0: and, and I have you ever done that? Have you ever taken up to the CEO level and had them say, it is what it is. And yeah, 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 I have too. So just for the listeners out there, um, like Chad said, use your chain. I have no sympathy for anybody that jumps the chain. You have to give the individual the opportunity. And as Chad said, I have lost, I never, I never disliked anything I did. My gosh, I served the country. I was in high tech, but I have left bad bosses. But as Chad said, I would only leave after I went to the tippy top. And then um, then realized it's just not a good congruent fit, and I have I have to go someplace else. But Chad hit on Steve Jobs. There is a big difference between being a leader and being in leadership. And so, like you said, Steve Jobs was a leader. Man, he was brilliant. He had it tight. And like we said, the problem with companies is we see a lot of companies have great leaders, and boy, they they are leaders. They're visionaries. But leadership is about getting stuff done through other people, and that's where they miss the boat and have to go learn how to do it. And that's where I see a lot of people come to me struggling saying my leader. And I'm like, look, they can't be brain dead. They grew a huge organization, but they just don't know how to um, motivate and get rid of the bad and motivate the good, so to speak.
1: Yeah. I I was that. That was me. I mean, I I had that. I I mean, we any decent leader, and I'm not saying I'm a great leader because what good leader would actually stand up and say right. I'm a great leader, right? I mean, that would just be, uh, but anybody who's been in leadership with success at one point or another in their lives has been that bad leader. Yes. Right. I mean, and that's always one of those questions, Tracy. And you know, I, again, I had a general idea some of the questions you might throw at me, yet at the same time, I'm like, I don't know where she's going to go on this. So we're going to have to see how this plays out. <laughs> one of the thoughts that that I had in my head was the question that I always get asked is, can you be trained to be a leader, right? Are you either born a leader or not? Right. And, And I don't believe leadership is like a born thing. It's not in our DNA leadership. Anybody can learn leadership. I've seen some amazing people that you probably never would have picked out that became amazing leaders through training and learned how to become leadership. I believe Charismatic, I believe the presence that comes with it that stuff I think is in your DNA. Mm -hmm. That person who people just radiate to be around, that person who just can stand up in front of a room and you know recite some speech without writing it down, and everybody wants to charge the hill and all that stuff. That doesn't mean they're good at leadership, right? That means they can motivate people or inspire people. Yet then the question is, what happens to them after that? Do the people run up the hill, get to the top and look around and that leader is still sitting down on the bottom going, look what I did, right. right? That's not leadership. Leadership is something that's trained, something that's taught. It's something that we focus at. That's one of the things on our podcast. One of the things that you do that we focus a lot on is making sure that we're teaching people how to be better leaders to provide that leadership.
0: Wow. Well, and that was that's a real gut check for a leader because in my early fifties, I had to really look at myself after reading all the liter- literature and saying, "Ah, oh, Trace, that's where you missed it so many times because you you are a leader. You you I'm conscientious. I'm organized. I'm efficacious. I'm tenacious. Blah blah blah." But leadership is different. And and it was really like, I mean, it was a really humbling thing, but I'm so glad I realized it because then you can start working on it. And it's such a slight nuance thing that, you know, I'd love to explore more with you in a future podcast about how you make that transition to, it's not about you anymore. And it's not bad because you, you have to lead yourself first before you can lead anybody else. Yes, we know that. But that transition out of leading yourself to somebody else, um, it can be taught like you. I don't, I believe there are some innate Uh, gifting and coding that we are born with, but the rest um, is definitely things that you can be taught uh, getting in the leadership literature and things like that. So Mm -hmm. thank you again for for bringing that out. All right. Third point. Okay. Next one. The third price of leadership is another wonderful one, abandonment. All right. And my father in the book says that we need to abandon what we like to think about and what we want to think about in favor of what we ought and we need to think about. So how do you, we all know the greatest thing for leaders, and I love Michael Gerber's E-Myth Revisited is my favorite what is the clarity? How do you get clarity and focus so you can stay focused on what you need to need to think about? And one of the things was my dad was like, I'm not going to define success because for all the good things that I did today to guarantee success, I had twice as many that I did that could guarantee me failure. So how uh, how do you stay focused on what you need to think about and how do you get that clarity and that singularity?
1: Staying focused is surrounding myself with the right people. Okay right? So again, leadership requires followership. If I know that I have the right people leading and following around me, Mm -hmm. and I have those, I mean, it's the old Rome who always, right? You're you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. That's how I keep my focus. Okay. Because yeah, I want to go over there and do that. I want, oh, the sun's out. I want to go get outside today, right? Or, oh, there was a a something. I want The restaurant's opened. I want to go out and eat, (laughs) whatever it is. It's those people that I've put in my life that say, this needs to be done. And you're the one that's leading it, getting it done. Or you're the one that was responsible for this. We're looking to you to do this. So, I mean, the easiest way to abandon all those other things is to have the people holding you accountable. Mm, I mean, the, the, great, the, the greatest thing to it is, I mean, I'm not a horse racing fan in, in any regard, yet I understand when the horses are running, what do they do? They got these blinders on them. Right. And the horse just sees straight ahead and the horse just sees run and it's not supposed to see the other horses in its peripheral vision. Yet, how often is our peripheral vision distracting us? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I don't know. There might be somebody beside you right now attempting to get your attention, you know, waving their arms over at you and you're doing your best to stay focused on, on what you're doing and talking to me. It's having that accountability of other people that say, put the blinders up. We're going to be your blinders Mm -hmm. so that all you see is what's ahead of you and what's coming because Mm -hmm. your role is to get us there and your role is to lead and pave that path or get there first to show us how to do it or push us along the way or lay the foundation with this so these pieces can be attached, whatever it is. You've got to surround yourself with the right people and then you don't feel like you're abandoning anything you feel like you're actually living up to the people that you've put around you and what they're holding you to. Hmm. And it becomes so easy to not look at it as as the word abandonment, which, I mean, if I just say the word, what's the first thing you think? You're like, oh, right, lonely. And there's that loneliness thing again. And I'm gonna walk away from it. And this this leadership thing sucks with all these words that are coming. (laughs) And it becomes so easy to abandon the things that are distractions because there are so many things all day long that our brain doesn't even process we saw right? because it's saying, I, I can't let you even realize that bird just flew by. You'll never know it. Or how many times have you said to someone, did you see that? And they're like, see what? Because their right. brain did not even recognize it because it was focused on something else at that same time. Absolutely. It's the people in our life, Tracy.
0: It is. I love the accountability partners. And it is so important because, and, and, and the natural tendency is you take these calls or somebody sends you this, I can do this for you, or for, uh, you look at what somebody else is doing and all of a sudden, uh, Peter Greer has one of my favorite books. It's called Mission Drift. And you start to kind of, you know, tug away like you, you you just, you know, in flying just one half a degree off and you are in Timbuktu. So, you know, I love the accountability partners. And like you said, you have to really slice your time and say, and when people call you and say, hey, let's meet for lunch, or did you hear about this? Or do you weigh in on this? Um, Don't even go there stay very uh, focused on this is the only stuff i'm letting in my brain right now until we can move forward on this thing and you know a lot of the leadership literature says you really can only focus on one thing at a time yes. and i think sometimes we think as multitaskers well I, I on my strategic plan i'm working 15 different things it's like that's you know
1: yes. that's probably you can not say it, right that's bs yeah. Yeah. You, yeah you can't you can't work on, on more than one thing at a time you can walk and talk at the same time yeah. why <laughs> because walking is not something you consciously have to do. Okay. But think but I mean just think about the old exercise we used to do as a kid, right? Pat your head and rub your belly yeah. in circles and how often you'd end up like patting both or going <laughs> back, you know because you were attempting to actually control and think about two different things. You can't do two different things at one time. You have to be focused on on just that one thing and you have to have that ability to abandon all those other things so that you can focus on that one thing of priority. Now, okay. that doesn't mean you can't later shift gears and go right. focus on something else.
0: Right. Flexible right phone. now, I'm
1: focused on you. Right. My phone's blowing up. I am I put it on quiet, but I can see it lighting up because I wasn't smart enough to turn it over out of my reach over there. <laughs> and And I can hear sounds outside of where I am and stuff, but I have to be focused on the conversation I'm having with you right now. Mm-hmm. And when I'm done with this, then I can go focus on the next things that need to be done Because how many times have you written an email to somebody while you were on the phone with someone that you cared about? And in the email, you actually typed love you Mm -hmm. because you were saying it, right? Because you're not being focused on the things that you're on. You have to be to a power where you do one thing at a time and abandon all those other things. And accountability is the only way you'll ever get it done is you tell other people what you're doing so that they're holding you accountable to get there.
0: Absolutely. And Chad, now let's go into delving into a little bit more of that. So yes, you need that accountability team, and they need to be as dialed in as you are. Have you ever experienced where somebody on your team uh, I've had this happen on a couple boards where uh, they thought, well, maybe we should kind of move off into this area or do this. Have you ever had that happen with the team? And, and what did you do? Because it has to all be 100% everybody all into the same thing, not just you. And sometimes as leaders, you're going to have your um, people in your tribe that all of a sudden start saying, well, you know what? I think we should go in this direction. How do you handle that?
1: It's going to depend on the situation and it's going to depend on the person. Sometimes that person's right. Sometimes they're the ones saying, hey, folks, you're not paying attention. Okay. I'm seeing the obstacle that's coming that none of you are paying attention to because I have my own personal history. Mm-hmm. Right? I've been there. I've done that. I have failed at that before. I'm telling you, stop doing what you're doing. So if you truly are surrounding yourself with the right people, sometimes you have to stop and listen to that voice Okay? because sometimes they're right. Also, sometimes you've got to say, you've got to just be able to have that hard conversation where I say, Tracy, I appreciate you sharing the opportunity that you think we should be advertising on television instead of radio. Yet we know right now radio is is the prime form of advertising. You know what? Give us three months. Lean into this with us for three months. If it's not working, then let's look at your approach. Yet this is what we believe needs to be done. And it's bringing those people on board yet it's making sure that those people are still a part of our world because we put them there for a reason. Yet we gotta remember, sometimes they could be right. That is a
0: beautiful way to put it. And as I study followerships, for our listeners, what Chad described is how you prevent critical thinking followers, which you want, not critical sphere, great critical thinkers, but how you prevent them from becoming alienated. Like, well, they're not going to listen to my input. Why am I even on this organization? And I've, I felt that, and I'm sure I've done that to people before too. So that's beautiful. Just let them know. It's like when a kid, mommy, 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 just, just let me finish. Con- the adults are talking. Let me that's finish right. this conversation. And then we're going to come over and address your concerns. But that's a beautiful thing to say, listen, we just started this. We've got to give it at least, I love the three months, 90 days, and then we'll regroup and um you know what what is it churchill's quote evaluate
1: in that situation yeah
0: reevaluate however beautiful the strategy you have to look at the results well let's let's look Correct. at this and then let's table that and then we'll, sooner if need be if we find out wow but but like you said you, decisions are made um you know abandonment but then you, you can always go back the next day and say here's another piece of information now we get to tweak kind of tweak that a little bit. So yes. I, I love the fact you brought that up because there are going to, as, as you as your march along, yes, we're all in sync, but we're going to have different voices and you want that. And you always want different voices that all come together, but you don't want to alienate them and have them then go, why am I, why do I even serve on this board? Or why does Chad have me as his, uh, as his mentee or mentor when he doesn't listen to anything I say?
1: So, you know, Tracy, if, if you have, if you're surrounded by yes people, Right. I mean, the term's obviously a yes, ma'am, but in today's day and age, there's enough women that belong in those roles, and we should right. all make sure there's at least one in our world so we're not getting a biased view.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, as you put together almost your board of these people, uh, if you're just surrounded by yes people, you got the wrong people.
0: Bad news. Yep.
1: Right? I mean, if everyone's just, yep, yep, that's good. Do that. Do that. We'll help you make that. No, if you don't get that person who says What about this? Or don't do that. Or, hey, I see this opportunity. Uh, You've got the wrong people around you if they're not helping you point out and see those other opportunities that are there. You don't want to surround yourself with yes people. Now, you don't want people who are going to just argue everything with you all day long, yet you need people who are strong enough to be able to say, here's a different viewpoint.
0: Well, inevitably, as you said, whenever we hear about these catastrophic falls from grace of these CEOs, and there's, there's never a shortage of them, you always sit there, I always sit there, and they always point to the CEO, and I'm like, yeah, but where was their board? Where was their collective tribe? Um, because if they just sat there and let this guy or gal drive it um, into the brink because of money or whatever, or just passivity, you know, shame on them. But People knew; they just didn't say it, and that's why I'm like everybody. Always sees it. People aren't stupid; they're in it. They they they're aware in the organization, and um, you know that that whole part of this price of leadership is to bring people in there that stay honed in on that clarity and are always able to speak to you, you know, truth and love. And tough love is still love. You know, it may be tough, but we sure need that as well. You know, absolutely. All right. Last point. All right. This okay. is, this one sounds better now. Okay. So okay. The fourth, fourth price of leadership my father talks about is vision. And yes. I can remember as a little girl hearing this and I'm like, but I'm not going to be a Steve Jobs or an Oprah. You know what I'm saying? You think vision is for these uh, Nostradamus or Ooh, they're out there in the wilderness. I mean, just these visionaries. But what he said was vision is simply knowing where you were going and doing it, seeing what needs to be done and doing it. And I can remember as a little girl, I was always like, okay, because quite frankly, I typically could see what needs to be done, but so many people just see it and they don't do anything about it. So can you share with me what's been one of the greatest epiphanies or it is a vision thing that you saw that, that finally came together, that you got clarity on it needs to get done and by gosh, we're gonna put together a plan and we're gonna execute.
1: Well, that would probably be leading myself Love it, and it would it would probably be my health being in the dumpster.
0: Okay, let's right. Go into I mean, that.
1: and I gotta believe that that fifty percent of our country either needs to get their health in gear, or right, they're or they're extremely you know committed to it. Yet, to me, it was self leadership on that, and it was the vision of I'm gonna fix this. Mm-hmm. It was the vision of I have uh, a wife. I have a daughter. They they deserve that I'm around. I have friends. I I have you know people that that deserve to have me in their life as much as I deserve to have them in their life. Mm -hmm. And what am I doing by not taking care of myself? And it was that that vision of becoming a healthy person. It was that vision of becoming someone who, you know, you look at on the TV and you go, "Dang, that person looks." You know, I mean, it's not the ripped muscles Arnold Schwarzenegger thing. It's the Healthy, you know that person looks so extremely healthy about it that it was the commitment to that, and then it's looking up one day and going, "Oh my gosh, I'm there, right? I'm not, I'm not perfection. I'm not, you know, Michael Phelps with you know 0.2 percent body fat or whatever he's got on him or something like that. Uh, yet I'm to a point where wow, I'm really healthy, mm-hmm. and that vision came together. Right? Mm-hmm. It's that leadership of of marriage, right? Yeah. You're leading somebody, yourself and your spouse in marriage. And here's the fun thing what a great leadership lesson marriage is because sometimes you're the leader and sometimes you're the follower. Yes. Because you've got to be able to juggle that and have that proper balance. Because if one of you is the leader and one of you is the follower, what kind of relationship is that? Right? At some point, that becomes no. That's the, that's the older generation, if you forgive me, going back to our grandparents, maybe. Yes. The, husband led the house right and the wife did all- that that's not the world today and thank goodness it's not anymore um what great vision to have of what a beautiful marriage can be and then you look up and all of a sudden you're on your 10-year wedding anniversary you're on your 20-year wedding anniversary you're on your 30-year wedding anniversary and being able to always say we're never going to reach the end of this vision because we won't know we've reached it because our lives will end that's when we'll But wow, we're always progressing and we're always moving along towards what we always thought and maybe even we're past where we thought we would be, yet all we've done is reset that vision for what this marriage and this life could look like.
0: Beautiful. Chad, I mean, you hit the nail on it. It's all about, vision is about us seeing it and us doing it. And I think you hit the nail on it because I think it's this weird thing that I can't be a leader uh, because I don't have vision. no. You get up, you lead your life, you lead your finances, you lead your spiritual life, you lead your healthy life, you lead your, per- don't tell me you're not a leader. You, and I reclaimed my health two years ago um, when I was like, how am I gonna finish running this race and I intend to run this race till I'm 120 if I have let my health health go, And you know, everybody was saying with the coronavirus, stay healthy, stay healthy. You gotta get healthy to stay healthy. That's and right. so I hit that, I hit that two years ago and I was like, and it was like, well, it's midlife, blah, blah, blah. It's this, it's that. And I'm like, nope, 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 no, because I looked around and I saw other people that were seeing in their 60s and 70s that were height, rate, proportionate, and fit. And I'm like, okay, so they. I saw them, and I still maintain you hit the nail on the head, even with marriage. And I've been married all of—you can see all of four and a half months. So I'm really seasoned (laughs) at this, you know. But it is so much. Stop looking at what everybody else is going to do for you. You, You—it's healthy habits in your marriage and your relationships, and vision, and and um, you know. I go to church, and one of the things was you be the you be the Bible that people need to read. In other words, you model. The, the behaviors of Christ. And so when you model a good relationship, or a good husband, or a good healthy person, that draws people together because then they can look at you and go, uh-huh, he's leading himself, but then you can show other people how you model those leadership behaviors. And I think that's, that's a great component to vision.
1: Tracy, we never know who's watching and someone's always watching, right? I mean, right. there's the old quotes and the old things about character is who you are when no <laughs> one's watching. Someone's always watching in today's day and age, and I'm not talking, hey, your webcam is always on and they're spying on you. I'm just <laughs> saying they're always watching you, right? Mm-hmm. There are people, and, and probably the biggest, oh, health you know, thing that people want is they all at some point say, well, I'm gonna run a marathon, right? For some reason, I don't know what it is about the marathon, right? I've done two, um, wow. no desire to ever do another <laughs> one again. Yet, yeah, it, it's that, that thing, right? And here's the thing, you've got to lead yourself through it. And the vision is the finish line. Now, it's going to take you more than from the start line to the finish line because you have to do months and months and months of proper training if you think you're going to actually finish a marathon. Then you actually get to race day and you get to run. Now, here's the thing. There might be people cheering you along. They're probably your very closest friends or your family who are there for you. And you've got this vision of that finish line. And once you cross that finish line, you might be done, like me, to say, I'm never doing that again. I mm-hmm. did not check, right? I don't need to go that far without any really good reason for it ever again. Yet here's the thing, in today's day and age, there's no way people haven't watched you. There's no way people around the office, people in your neighborhood, people on social media, if you're posting it, haven't watched you train, haven't watched you post those things, haven't watched you celebrate yourself, haven't watched as you finish and cross that finish line. And you might be impacting and changing somebody's life as a leader, Mm -hmm. even though you think, well, who am I? I'm just a clerical person at some organization that nobody knows. I'm employee number 7490328. Nobody really knows who I am. Yet, meanwhile, you just led somebody to a life-changing decision by what you've done, we have to remember every day we're leading ourselves and every day we're leading somebody, whether we know they're watching or not.
0: Mm -hmm. And your success inspires other people's success. So when you get lonely or weary or have to abandon eating cake for your birthday because you made a promise you're not gonna do that, eat any more sugar. Understand that in the end, you know, circling back, vision is the thing that you see, but the price of loneliness, weariness, and abandonment is all integral pieces that get you to executing that vision. And wow, I think that's it goes back. It is is all
1: worth it. It It's the price you'd pay every day if I showed you what the vision looked like and said, here's the price you have to pay. It's going into the store and saying, I would pay $5 for that. Great. Okay. You're not asking for cash. You're asking for some loneliness. You're asking for some weariness at times. You're asking to have to abandon some of those things along the way. Yet you know that when you cross that finish line, it is all worth it.
0: So that's the exhortation at the end and thank you for bringing that up. So this is tough stuff and I can remember as a little girl and, and I remember watching my dad probably mid-career and he was just like I said he was brilliant world-renowned you talk about that star quality charisma outpouring outpouring in intaking. taking and I remember I was a teenager and I saw him one time with his head in his hands and he just looked at me and I'm like dad you're the greatest individual I've ever known in the entire universe. And he's like, I'm just tired and I wonder sometimes if it's worth it. And that was so poignant to me. And so for leaders out there, I want to encourage you. Yeah, it's tough. But, but like Chad said, and my dad realized, and I saw too, this is a daunting price, but the more you pay it, I'm not going to say it gets easier, but you get better and stronger and the healthy habits in leadership, you get more clarity on who you need in your life and who you don't. And your habits don't become such a struggle. You start burning new synapses in your brain that suddenly let you know, I don't even go back to thinking like I used to think, or I'm not going to pick up a cigarette anymore. It's gone. And that's the beauty for leaders and leading yourself and others. You do eventually dial in that right tribe, the right dialogue, the right everything. So the price is a beautiful, is is a small thing to pay for what you get in the end.
1: Yep. Got to lead yourself, Tracy. Got to remember. Everybody's got to remember. The best, and you talked about it so well, and I would challenge anybody listening to this to hear your interview that you did for us on our Win Make Give podcast, where you talked about the power of followers, because the one thing that walked away, that I personally walked away when I got to have that interview with you about Mm -hmm. was I got to be the follower that I have to lead.
0: Oh, yep.
1: Right? So, I mean, I'm always leading myself. Am I the right follower to be the right leader as well? And it always comes back to us. Yes, we hear leadership, we hear leader, we want to be Steve Jobs, we want to be Oprah, we want to be these people who are leading massive organizations or the politicians that are leading, you know, cities and states and whatever it is. It all starts with us. Mm-hmm. It all starts inside. And if we're not leading ourselves and following ourselves, why would anyone else follow us?
0: Absolutely. Beautiful chat. Beautiful. All right. Chad, where can people get in touch with you? Hear all about this podcast, share with us how to get in touch.
1: For the podcast, they can just go to winmakegive.com. That's mm-hmm. the name of the podcast, and we made it easy. Just go to the website, winmakegive.com. You can get yourself to the podcast from there, catch up on any news that's happening. Me, uh, Chad Himes, I tell people my last name is spelled H-Yams. I don't eat them. I don't like them. It's just the easy way to remember how to spell my name. And they can just find me on Facebook. That's probably one of the easiest ways to just go there uh, and find me there, message me there, reach out to me there if there's anything I can help them with.
0: Awesome, Chad. Well, Chad, thank you so much for the time that you gave us. Thank you for your insights on on your leadership journey. I know know I've written down a lot of notes too. Thank you for being my first ever guest. You have set the bar so high. I just, I can't believe it. So thanks, Chad.
1: Can't wait to hear future episodes and all the other people, what they've got to say and learn from them as well, Tracy.
0: All right. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com.